Let's pray together as we look at his word. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, this community that you've put us in right now, Lord, as we sit here. And we pray for these uh, community-related events that we've just heard about, Lord. We pray that you would uh, help each one of us take just one step closer in community, Lord, whether that's joining a group or just um, striking up a conversation in the foyer or sending a text message this week, Lord, we pray that you'll help each of us um, just grow a little more connected uh, to the family that you've placed us in. As we look at your word, we pray that you would help us to understand it, help us to trust that it is true and to obey it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So a few Sundays ago, I took a week off and uh, John Huey was here and preaching a wonderful sermon for us all. And uh, meanwhile, I was at another church in our city. I was going in as a student, as a learner. I wanted to go, and I do it sometimes throughout the year. I'll just pop in and, and see how, how do they structure their services? Uh, what do they do for their songs? How do they do their prayers? All those types of things that I'm just observing, right? Um, but I, I also do it to remind myself of how uncomfortable it is to walk into a church for the first time and not know anybody. I hate that feeling. It's awful. Um, so I pull up to that particular church. I'm getting out of my car and I'm just like, oh man, this is the last thing I want to do. But I was smart. I scheduled myself to arrive like right when service was starting. So I'm like head down through the front door. Thank you. Grab the thing they gave me. I'm in the foyer, and I'm just side looking. I'm like, there's the welcome center. Divert your eyes. Don't make eye contact. Head down. I'm into the sanctuary. Now I'm looking for that pew towards the back on an aisle so that I can leave during the closing song to make sure nobody gets me on the way out. And it was like, mission accomplished. I'm in, I'm in and out. I'm in my car. I'm going home. I'm like, now I can relax. I got my notes. I did my observing, and, and I can see how Northgate Church can, can do things differently and, and worship in different ways. So it was a great Sunday. Um, it was for me. <laughs> but it wasn't a great Sunday, and you laugh because we all know, like, that's not what we're supposed to do. Like, that's not what the experience of gathering at church is supposed to be about, right? It's supposed to be about community. If it was just singular and that was the goal, then we wouldn't do this. And so that's this year of community. We're emphasizing community. Um, part of that is when we gather here in a large community, like right now, uh, Stephen's highlighted smaller groups of community that you can gather in. Uh, there's lots of opportunities for community this year. But this morning what we want to talk about is there are some hurdles to community. Some of those hurdles I just illustrated through my visit to a church a few weeks ago. Um, the hurdles that exist for a uh, community that we're going to focus on this morning is just three. There's lots of hurdles to community, but um, we're going to look at how status, uh, consumerism, and pride can be three hurdles to community, and then we'll look at how we can overcome those hurdles. But let me just explain them for a minute. Status. Status. Any group that you want to join, any community that you want to be a part of has their statuses involved. There's two basic statuses of insiders and outsiders. So as we all sit here right now, generally speaking, you're on the inside of this building, and so you're an insider. Um, there are those who are yet outside, and if they were to walk in, they become, right? There's just general definitions. Now, you might be sitting here and being like, listen, it's my first Sunday, or I haven't been here that long, and I'm sitting here, and I feel like an outsider, even though I'm inside. That's fair. Um, uh, however, generally speaking, the majority of us here this morning 
have this status of being an insider. And that status that we carry as an insider and that status that you carry sitting there feeling like an outsider, that status is a hurdle that we're going to have to overcome. When I went and visited that church, I welcomed my status as an outsider. And I had no interest in trying to overcome that hurdle. I was happy to live in that status. But that status is an obstacle. It was an obstacle to me connecting in community with that church. And so how do we overcome this, this hurdle? There's the hurdle of consumerism. So the hurdle of consumerism is just, if we live in, in Western world in 2024, which we do, we have this hurdle of consumerism. And it applies to any community that you want to go join, but for the sake of church this morning, it applies to church. You and I, just by default, living in the time in which we live, we approach church as a consumer, and we should try to overcome this hurdle. We walk into church like we walk into Target. I need something. And so I came here this morning because I, I need something. And once I have what I need, then I will leave. And I'm happy to be friendly in the meantime. I might need something for me. I might need something for my children. But I came in here because I needed something. And then I'll leave once I have it. If that doesn't land, then just think of it this way. You treat church like a movie theater. I come in for this defined period of time so that you will entertain me. And then after I have been entertained and engaged, then I will leave. And as I leave, I'll say to the other people in the car the things I liked about how I was entertained and the things I didn't like about how I was entertained. So this hurdle of consumerism exists for us, and we need to try to figure out how are we going to overcome this hurdle. And then pride is the third one. Pride is at the root of, of most of our problems, our sins, whatever conflict you have, whatever disconnection you might have, if you dig deep enough, you're going to find this root issue of pride. By default, we are self-centered individuals who want to feel comfortable, safe, and in control. When I approached that church weeks ago, those were my highest priorities. I want to be in control, so I'll structure my time and what I do. I want to feel safe, and I, I want to be comfortable, and so I'm going to plan my entrance and exits that way. Now, to be clear and not to pile upon, if you're prone to guilt, let me just try to liberate you a little bit. I'm not saying I was sinful in how I attended church a few weeks ago. Um, I think that uh, self-control um, is a fruit of the Spirit. So I'm not saying it's bad to want control. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. Safety is very important. It's a priority to Northgate Church. We want you and your children right now to be safe. And comfort is also a priority or we wouldn't have the heat on right now. We prioritize comfort. Um, if anything, it's, it's too warm. I'm starting to feel uncomfortable. But we don't want to complain. Um, that's prideful. Um, but pride can be a hurdle. Like if I go into that church service a few weeks ago and I say like, here's my priorities. I want to remain in control. I want to feel safe and comfortable. I'm never going to connect in community in that church. It's just not going to happen. And maybe we all need a season in our life where we, where we have more alone time, and maybe we need a season in our life in which we just need to worship in privacy and not connect, and, and that's okay, and you have the grace to do that. But you just need to re recognize that there's this hurdle of your pride, and if your pride is going to prioritize those things, then you're not going to connect in the community of this church. And so... We need to pay attention to the hurdles that lay in front of us. These hurdles apply to both insiders and outsiders. So if you're listening right now and you're like, I'm identifying as an insider, great. Then we need to help overcome this hurdle, right? So you're all are on the inside, I'm on the outside, and this is the hurdle 
So you as insiders need to help me overcome this hurdle as you listen this morning. Because there are people that we want to have in this community that aren't yet in and we want to help them overcome the hurdle. Now, if you identify as an outsider, if you're like me, you're like, well, I see all of you out there and I want to be with you, but I'm an outsider. Well, you need to pay attention as well because the same hurdle is between us. And if we both work together on both sides of it, then we can overcome these hurdles that exist for the, for the community that we're seeking. To see the solutions to the hurdles, we're going to turn to Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 8. So in Philippians, we have the Apostle Paul writing to a church that was in the town of Philippi. And Paul was inspired by God to write a letter to them, and we now have the words that are recorded that he wrote. They're in the pews in front of you. They're on your phones. We're going to put them on your screens. If you need a Bible, you ever just reach out to us. We're happy to give them. Do you realize we have recorded for us the inspired word of God at our fingertips? And that's what we're going to read at this time. Paul writes and says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So we think of it this way. God was in community with those that he loved all the way back in Genesis 1 and 2. At the very beginning with Adam and Eve in the garden, there was community between God's creation, human beings, and God himself. The scripture says that, that they used to walk with God in the garden in the cool of the day. There was community between God and man. But then when sin came, it broke that, that um, community between God and man. And so God is saying, okay, how am I going to restore community with those that I love? How am I going to do it? Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 to 8 explains that to us. This is what God decided. He said, here's how I will restore community with my creation. I will empty myself. I'll forsake my status. God has a status as the king of the world, right? And he's saying in Philippians chapter 2, here's how I'll restore community. I will forsake my status. I will empty myself and I will go down and I will be one of them. So he forsook his status. Then he became a servant. He humbled himself, and he became a servant. And so if we want to overcome the hurdle of consumerism, then we need to look to Jesus and say, like, well, maybe I shouldn't come to church to receive, but to give. Maybe it's better to give than to receive, and I should go and be a servant like Jesus was. And then thirdly, he humbled himself. There was no pride, but there was humility. And so the solutions we're going to see uh, are, are given to us from Jesus as we look to him and we seek to have the mind that was in him in us. And so this first hurdle of status, Jesus forsook his status, you and I are to forsake our status for the sake of community. He was in the form of God, but he did not account equality with God, a thing to be grasped, and he emptied himself. You have a status. If you are believing in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you have a, admitted your sins. B, believe that Jesus died on the cross to forgive you of those sins and rose from the dead. And then C, if you've committed yourself to following after him, then you are a Christian. You know what the Bible says? Your status is different than those who have not trusted in him. John 1, 12. But all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's your status. You're a child of God. 
Ephesians 2.19, it says, You are no longer strangers or aliens, but now you are fellow citizens and saints and members of the household of God. Romans 8.16, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So as you sit here today, your status is you are a son or a daughter of God. That's who you are. That's your status. You are an insider. You are inside the family of God, and there are those in your life and around you that are not on the inside. They are outsiders. How are you going to reach those who are outside the family of God? Well, we're going to follow Jesus' example. We're going to forsake our status. And all the rights and privileges that might come with being on the inside, we're going to say, like, no, I'm going to step outside, and I'm going to humble myself, and I'm going to forsake my status so that I can invite others into the community that I experience. Now, before we move too far down the sermon, we should all, we should make assumptions. I mean, I would love to assume that every person here and everybody who's watching online, they all have the status as children of God. But you have to do your own heart introspection to see if you hold that status. But if you do, there's, there's obviously layers of status, no matter where we go and wherever we are in life. And it's fair to say in a very practical sense, even as we sit in here today, there's, there's another level of status in that most of us in the room know a lot of other people in the room. And so there's a sense in which there's a status of just insiders. Like you might be a Christian and a part of the family of God, but worship at a different church normally, and you're here today, and you still feel like an outsider just simply because you don't know anybody in the room. So there's a status issue that we're going to bump into that's a hurdle to us connecting into community. The solution is for us to forsake our status and to keep an eye out for those who are new. Be friendly to everyone that we meet. To introduce ourselves to the people around us. To try to resist the impulse to exclusively just hang out in what we call our holy huddles. Where we circle up with only the people that we know and then, and then we huddle around and then the outsider who's just visiting or who's just seeking community can't break into our circle, Right? These are the things we have to keep an eye out. We need to forsake our status. I know all of you here today, but you know who I'm probably going to try and look for as I stand at the door? I'm probably going to do my best to look for the people that I don't know very well that might be new so that I can make sure they feel welcome and forsake my status of being able to talk to any number one of you in the room and say, I'm going to try and make someone who's new this morning feel welcome. We forsake our status as insiders and we try to welcome those who are with us. And if you're on the outside, if you're saying, well, I'm sitting here today and I feel like an outsider. People don't do that to me. All I see are these huddles and I don't know how to break in. I'm sorry that's your experience. But here's my encouragement to you. Like, try. Try. Like, it's part of what we have to do. Like, we're going to overcome this hurdle when we work together. When we work together at it. So grab one of those flyers in the foyer that Stephen was holding up. And look at it and see if there's a community that you might fit in. And then send us an email or, or shoot the QR code with your phone and reach out to us. But, but give it a try and see, see what we can do together. It feels risky and it feels scary, but if we both come in it together, then that's how we're going to achieve community. Um, this Christmas... Our family woke up in the morning, and we opened presents, and it was wonderful. And then um, eventually, towards the afternoon, we loaded up in the car, and we headed to Canada, just across the border up in Erie. We cross over, and we go to my sister-in-law, Caroline's sister's home, and she welcomed uh, Caroline's side of the family all together for a family Christmas. 
and it was great. Um, but Christmas morning for my sister-in-law looked different than what she had expected. As I'm sure you did, you had plans for Christmas Day. My sister-in-law and her family certainly would have had plans for Christmas Day, but but Christmas morning they realized that a friend was in crisis. To to respect this friend's uh, privacy, we'll refer to this gentleman as Sam. So they learned that Sam was in crisis. Now Sam is a friend of our nephew. Sam is in high school. And we learned that Christmas morning that Sam was in crisis. And so what my sister-in-law's family did was they, they forsook their plans. And they forsook their status. And they went out Christmas Day and they found Sam and they scooped him up and brought him back to their home and said, you're going to spend Christmas with us. And you can stay here as long as you need to. See, they, they forsook their status, they forsook their schedule, and they welcomed Sam in and and we welcomed and we met him Christmas evening and we spent the next few days with him and wherever we went he went we went places together we ate together when we opened presents he opened presents when we took pictures he was right there in all the family pictures with us because you know what we said we said listen there's no status here this this community this this Christmas time together isn't going to work if we're going to hold some kind of status as like, well, this is the family, and then there's Sam. Like, no, like, we're going to forsake all status, and now you are inside. And we need to brag on Sam, because Sam came into that community, and you know what he did? He forsook his status. He welcomed it. He engaged with us with kindness. He, he played with our kids. He lingered at the table in conversation. He, too, forsook his status. He said, you know what, for this, this weekend to work, it's not going to work if I'm just hanging out as an outsider and don't engage. And you know what happens when both parties, those inside and outside, both decide to forsake their status? A beautiful picture of community happens as we think back to our family's Christmas because we didn't allow the hurdle of status to stop us from connecting in community. Another hurdle is consumerism. We're going to overcome this hurdle the same way Jesus did. Jesus became a servant. And that's the solution to the hurdle of consumerism is that we gather together and we serve one another. It says in Philippians 2.7, he emptied himself taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Matthew 20, 28 tells us that Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve. How would God reestablish community with those that he loves? Well, he'd say, in order for this to work, I'm going to empty myself and all of my status, and I'm going to descend and be born as a human. But you know what Jesus could have done? He could have said, as I exist as a human, these are all my subjects And they're going to serve me for the next 30-some years that I'm here. But that's not what he did. Because he knew that that wouldn't actually foster community with them. He said, in order to rebuild this community, I'm going to get down on my knees and I'm going to wash their feet. And I'm going to find the hungry and I'm going to feed them. And I'm going to find the sick and I'm going to heal them. And I'm going to orient myself as a servant towards them as I minister to them. Because Jesus shows us that we connect in community when we approach community with a desire to serve. But we bump into this hurdle of consumerism. But I, I, don't, I don't come here to serve. I, I come here because I need something this morning. And it's true, we do. 
There's nothing wrong with that. If you heard my greeting this morning when you walked in, for those who were here at the time, I said this to us. I said, to all who are weary and need rest, to all who mourn and long for comfort, to all who fail and need strength, to all who sin and need a savior, this church opens wide her doors and her heart with a welcome from Jesus Christ. So yeah, we all come in these doors this morning needy. We are a mess. We are a whole big group of failures, mourners. We are discouraged. We are in need of strength. We are in need of a savior. We're a mess. It's like you walked into like a triage unit in a, in a tent in the time of war, and you just look around, and you're like, everybody's bleeding. I'm pretty sure I could help someone. Who should I help? And that's how we walk into church, and we look around, who can I serve? Who can I listen to? Who can I give a word of encouragement to? Who can I strengthen? Who can I comfort? Every week, a lot of you do come that way. And every week, a lot of you come to serve. A lot of you are serving right now. There's people who came to church today so that they could serve us in our children's ministry or in our tech team that's working right now or in our hospitality team that greeted us and other teams that exist to facilitate our worship each and every week. If you want to connect in community, then approach community as a servant. That goes for insiders and outsiders. If you feel like an outsider as you gather at Northgate Church, and maybe you've been coming for a little while and you still feel like an outsider, then my encouragement to you is this, is, is consider serving. Because I've talked with a number of people over the years who have shared with me that they, they really felt connected to Northgate once they started serving. Once they started sitting in the nursery and holding children with other moms, then, then they really felt connected to the church. Once they came out on like a work day in the spring or the fall and, and shoveled mulch alongside other people, that's when they felt connected to the church. When they started serving on the media team, that's when they started to really feel connected. And so if you feel like you're on the outside, but you want to be on the inside, then approach it as Jesus approached community. And he said, if, I, if I'm going to rebuild a relationship with people that I love, I'm going to go and I'm going to serve them. And that's how we'll overcome the hurdle of consumerism that exists in community today. To go back to my Christmas story, our time with Sam, Sam was the first to jump up from the table and want to clear the table and help people take their plates to the sink. Sam was the first to volunteer to do the dishes after the meal was over. Do you want to know why our time with Sam felt like family? It's because Sam entered in and he forsook his status and he was eager to serve. And my wife's family, as they gathered, to their credit, they were eager to serve Sam. They went out and bought him Christmas presents so that when Christmas celebration time came, he would open presents just like everybody else. They opened up their home, and they gave him a bed to sleep in, and they provided for him in any way that they could. So the community happened, and I can tell the story because both sides forsook their status, and both sides said, I'm going to serve him, and he said, I'm going to serve them. And then you look back at our Christmas time, and we look back at those pictures, and we see Sam, and we're like, oh, that was just a wonderful time of community. That's why, because there were hurdles in our way, and we overcame those hurdles by forsaking our status by serving one another. And then you have the hurdle of pride. Pride's a hurdle. And so we look to Jesus again from Philippians 2.8. Well, what did Jesus do? Well, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 
So that root of pride is there. And we overcome that root of pride by humbling ourselves. Think about Jesus' ministry for a minute. Every group he was in, every time he stood in a circle with other people, sat around a table with other people, every single time, Jesus was the smartest person in the circle. Every time he was the most powerful person in the circle. Every time he was the most important person in the circle. But do you know what Jesus did? He asked a tremendous amount of questions. And you know what? When you read through those Gospels, it doesn't seem like he's trying to prove that he's the most powerful and that he's the most important and that he's the smartest. And so if we want to connect in community, we've got to consider how our human pride is, is a hurdle for us. And we need to see that in order to overcome this pride, we're going to have to humble ourselves. If you want to see an illustration of humility, then just leave here and turn left and walk down to the end of the, high, uh, end of the hallway and, and peek into the nursery, and you'll see a picture of humility. And you'll see adults who have given up their morning in, in the nursery or in the preschool classrooms, and they're a lot smarter than the people that they're with. And they're a lot more powerful than the people that they're with, and yet they choose to get down on the floor and invest an hour of their time in encouraging and empowering and educating and equipping these children? Is it their goal and the time to make sure that the children know that they're the smartest person in the room and that they're more powerful than they are? No. Why? Because they've humbled themselves, haven't they? To serve. So we have to humble ourselves. Our pride is a hurdle. We want attention. We want things our way. We want recognition. We want to be the smartest. We want to be in control. We want things to go our way. But humility is the solution. And I've shared this before, and I'll keep sharing it because it's one of my favorite quotes from C.S. Lewis. True humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. So humility isn't like, I'm not going to speak up because I'm dumb. They're smarter than me. I know they are, and I'm just stupid. That's not humility. That's just thinking less of yourself. How dare you do that? You're creating the image of God, and the Holy Spirit has filled you. Don't think of yourself that way. Here's the challenge. Just, just think of yourself less. Stop obsessing about yourself as you sit in that circle and start thinking about the other people in that circle. If you want real practical application for how you can resist your pride and lean into humility is ask more questions. Make that your application from the sermon as you go today and out into this week. I'll ask more questions. That's a step to resist your pride and give in to humility. And you ask people, say, tell me about yourself. If you find making conversation hard, then just ask people about their children. People are often eager to talk about their children. If they don't have children, ask them about their pets. If they don't have children or pets, it's harder. But then you can just say like, <laughs> and then you can just say like, are, are, you, are you reading or watching anything interesting? Right? Like there are things we can ask. We can show, we can be inquisitive. We can humble ourselves and want to listen rather than want to speak. How did you find Northgate Church? What has your experience been at Northgate Church? That's the easy application. If you need an application, that's the easy one because the next one's hard. Because it says that he humbled himself to the point of death. He didn't humble himself to the point of like biting his tongue and speaking less, he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. And then Mark 8.34 says, calling the crowd to him with his disciples, Jesus says to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So we are being called to humble ourselves 
and ask more questions. And you're being called to humble yourself even to the point of death. Listen, community in the church is hard. Like we said earlier, we are a band of misfits. We are a mess. You walk into a hospital this morning full of sick people. It is hard to live in community with other people. It requires us to humble ourselves even to the point of death. That's why scripture says that we're supposed to constantly forgive one another and bear with one another. If you join this community, I can promise you a few things. As you get to know people, people will mistreat you. If you become a part of this community, somebody will offend you. And I'm just bad at sales. But that is the reality of if you walk into this community and you begin to take steps deeper into the community, that will happen. That's why scripture says in 1 Corinthians 13 that love, the love that the church demonstrates towards one another, it bears all things, all those offenses. Love bears all things and believes all things and hopes all things and endures all things. And that's the type of community that we are supposed to model for a watching world. How can they carry on in community like they do? Well, it's because they have the love of Christ in them. Community is the goal. Pride is the hurdle. Humility unto death is the solution. And I'll tie it into Christmas one last time. Sam humbled himself. You do realize it requires humility to receive help. So the reason the community worked was because Sam humbled himself enough to receive help when he was in the midst of his crisis. And the community worked because our family was willing to humble themselves to forsake their status and to serve. And so humility is what draws us together. I don't know what you needed to hear this morning. I don't know if it's the hurdle of status or consumerism or pride, which one stands out to you as a hurdle that, that you felt or are feeling. I don't know if, if you needed to hear about the whole forsake your status, if you needed to hear about becoming a servant or just a, a reminder about humility. I trust you've heard what you needed to hear. And before we finish, we do need to highlight that there is a secret ingredient. This community isn't going to work without this secret ingredient. You're going to keep striving and striving and striving if you don't have the secret ingredient. And it was hinted to in Philippians 2.5 when it said, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. It's more explicit in 1 Corinthians 2.16. We have the mind of Christ. If we are Christians, we have it. That's the secret ingredient. You got to realize, like, it's not striving, it's not trying harder. It's believing what Scripture tells you and that you already have it. What you need to do is submit to it. What you need to do is stop rebelling against it. You need to trust that the mind of Christ is within you. It came to you as a gift with the Holy Spirit when you trusted in Christ. You have this mind of Christ in you. Now you need to possess it. You need to use it and exercise it. We'll close with uh, one last reminder from Christmas. So one of the, after one of the meals, I'm sitting there with Sam, and uh, I said to him, like, Sam, what is it like spending Christmas with a whole bunch of Christians? At this point, I'd figured out that, that Sam wasn't on the inside as that regard. And you got to recognize that, like, whenever my wife's family, when we gather together, 
it's not just like spending Christmas with a bunch of Christians. It's like my sister-in-law is the children's director at her church. Caroline's the children's director at our church. I'm a pastor. My father-in-law, he's a pastor. So it's not just like Christmas with Christians. It's like a higher level of like seminary degrees and like, you know, it's just a lot of Christianity going on in these rooms with Sam. And so Sam was able to like share some of the times in which he was like, I don't understand what you guys said when you said this, right? So it was nice. Um, Sam and I began to talk about faith and where he was at, and he explained that he was raised in a faith tradition that uh, wasn't too compelling to him. The faith tradition he was raised in, uh, he didn't think that's one that held the answers to life. And he was at a moment in his life in which he was trying to sort things out and figure out what is it that he really believes is true. So in that moment, when we were, my sister-in-law's family stepped forward and said, we'll take the risk and we'll welcome into our home. As Sam and I began to talk about these things, what Sam shared is, he said, you know what's most compelling to me about Christianity is what I've experienced these last few days. He said, my life experience through my faith tradition hasn't produced any of this fruit. This familiness, this togetherness, this unity, this community, all that happened in this house these last few days, I have, I have no experience with that through my faith tradition. And so what I find most compelling about my experience here is like, this is what I want. I want what I've experienced just now. Now, I don't know where Sam's gonna land but here's what I do know. The last Christmas, a small group of people had all the hurdles in front of them. They had the hurdle of status and consumerism and pride and many others. And we overcame those hurdles. We forsook our status. We served one another and we humbled ourselves. And the product was so beautiful and so compelling that I still think about it today. And it was so beautiful and so compelling. It was tugging on Sam's heartstrings for him to consider the reality of Jesus Christ, his teachings in that particular faith. You see, the extent to which we're going to make a difference in this world is the extent to which we can model this and help others experience this in our lives as we go. Have this mind in yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do pray that you would just empower us through your Holy Spirit to do that. We recognize that we're dependent upon the Holy Spirit and this mind that has been given to us that was in Christ Jesus, Lord, and help us, we pray, to, to be able to live this way this week. And Lord, I pray for those who maybe are yet on the outside of your family who don't yet have the mind of Christ, I pray for our friend Sam that, that you would continue drawing him to yourself and anyone here, Lord, I pray that you'd continue to draw them to yourself so that they could respond to the invitation and join the family of God. And for all of us in this family of God, Lord, we pray that you'd help us today and this week forsake our status and serve one another and be humble. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You want to stand with us? Our closing song is Take My Life. We're going to sing this song of surrender as we go. Take my life, take my moments, take my hands, take my will. We give our lives to Jesus as we go.